0: everybody we are here with another edition very very close to the end of the year so if you're already on holidays some of you might have already checked out some of you might be at work saying you know what i guess we'll be taking care of that in 2024 or after the new year or whatever after the holidays uh shout out to you if you're in that position for those of you that aren't too bad but uh we're not gonna be taking no breaks we got podcasts that we're doing right now. We got some on the Patreon if you want to get up over there and get onto that. Maybe just, you know, celebrate your holidays, make the time pass. You got a long drive coming up to go see family, hopefully uh spend it with us. But um all right. Let's get to what happened this past weekend. We saw the final Showtime show of Showtime Championship Boxing, 37 years of history, some of the greatest fights, arguably the greatest fight to ever happen. Was on a Showtime card, of course. Talking about Corrales versus Castillo, we got a lot of highlights from that on the broadcast. Let me get your um, your take on this. Like, what did you think of the broadcast overall as a final broadcast?
1: Uh, I mean, I didn't really feel like it was like, you know, any. I, I didn't think like they did anything like super duper special or unique like they didn't have like special outfits on or have like special like overlays it felt like, like a pretty no standard
0: show up it, what just in black like like they were at no field no, field? no
1: like you know i don't know if maybe they were gonna wear like tuxes or so like you never know guys mix it up i mean i'm not saying they had to i was satisfied with the uh you know the final show i thought the fights were good the broadcast was good the uh the little five minute uh thing that they put together i don't know what you would call that exactly but i enjoyed that as Tosh. well montage that was good everything was good it was a good final broadcast
0: you know i i thought that it was really really well done what i i mean in my mind i kind of wanted a much longer like um look back at some of the great fights like i feel like
1: but wait aren't they gonna release something i thought they said they're gonna announce something on youtube that's like 20 minutes that's gonna be like a tribute to all like the past stuff which i i I mean i could be wrong maybe they I misheard. but if that's yeah, I'm I'm excited to see that. I think that's gonna be fire. And I kinda like that they're putting it on YouTube because like, you know, the HBO one was fun to watch. I don't know if it's on YouTube. I don't really I never went back to watch it. I think it but, is But uh yeah, I, I will look forward to seeing the you know, the Showtime one and it being on YouTube to replay months from now.
0: Um I I feel like you should have had that on the broadcast. It, that's just my opinion but what they did put on the broadcast was was really well done there were so many fights that even in my head I was thinking I was like you didn't put that one certain guys that have been very important to Showtime that I like like Keith Thurman is a guy of recent memory that I thought 100% should have got shown I mean he had two monster fights on CBS with Sean Porter and Danny Garcia uh I mean the Pacquiao fight wasn't wasn't a Showtime fight but like Keith Thurman is certainly one of the foundational guys in the I don't know what we'd call it what era that was I guess like the the tail end of Floyd um he I, I don't think he got he showed up on the thing I mean look it's not a, a major thing because what they did was was really good they honored the history um I, I tank boots got a lot of shine on it Canelo got a lot of shine yeah I, I thought that it was a much much better show than HBO's final one. Um, Because HBO's final show, it didn't deliver on the fights. And I thought that that kind of sucked to see this limped, you know, HBO limping to the finish line. And like they showed just, you know, they had an amazing montage of footage and and, uh, clips from fights of the past. And then what we saw that night just did not match it with all due respect to Clarissa Shields and Cecilia Bracchus and Juan Francisco Estrada. That was just not the HBO we knew and loved, and you know they couldn't even get it together for that. This one was was good. I mean, we saw, I mean, the the Berto and uh, Guerrero fight was hilarious. Uh, not necessarily a, a great, it, you know, it felt like I was watching like a previous fight of the year, but someone hit it in like point two five speed, and so like We're while watching I it on slow mo. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I mean, I could see that if they would just condense this fight into four rounds, it'd probably be pretty fire, but like stretch out over ten rounds, uh, I don't know, man. But the the Ryo Colbert fight was certainly way better than I thought it was gonna be. Ryo had quite the performance and then David Morrell looks like I mean, it is it, it kinda feels like um like a cliffhanger where you figure out who the next guy is gonna be. And then you, you just don't know because the show ends. That's kind of how it felt like to see David Morrell just mow through Senna Agbako the way he did. But uh I guess let's let's get to the to the main event here. David Morrell, what is was that his ninth or his tenth pro fight against Senna Agbako? Senna, I thought was gonna hold up a lot better. I mean, were you shocked at what you saw?
1: Yeah, I thought like I <sighs> I don't know if like I overrated Cena or what, but like I thought he was gonna like give David some some a couple you know pause a couple rounds. Like I thought he was gonna see like you know the seventh or eighth at least. He he kind of just watched him. I mean the shot that like started the onslaught was like maybe behind the head, probably behind the head. But you know boxing happens quick, and you can't even allow yourself to be in the position for that. Like while there is some people complain about while they're hitting behind the head, people complain about boots hitting behind the head when you're athletic and dynamic and you're fighting a guy that's like on your ass pause that, uh, that can happen. So,
0: well, in the, in the Colbert fight, I texted Deuce cause Deuce was sitting there at the fight and I was like, just so you know, when Ryo first hurt Colbert, the punch was behind the head. Now you can't hold it against him. That was not an intentional. Uh, shot or anything like Colbert was on the ropes the punch was coming he ducked out of the way but in ducking out of the way he exposed the back of his head or or not you know it wasn't a full back of the head shot but it was one of those shots that technically I guess you could technically argue is against the rules but it happens in every single fight that you, you you'll see because like guys do all types of shit trying to trying to avoid punches and it just happens and Colbert recovered from that i thought actually Colbert a few times recovered pretty well from from the shots that he was taking even though it seemed like every punch was affecting him but uh for in the in the i i watched senna against vladimir shishkin and like while shishkin's not a big puncher i thought bako showed like, oh, okay, this dude is just like one of those dudes that can absorb and he knows how to block and he knows how to play it safe on defense so that at a minimum, I mean, he's going to make go rounds. But Morel looks, I mean, I don't want to be hyperbolic about about him because everyone, you know, is making these claims about David Morel and all this stuff and I I get it, you know. I feel it too, but at the same time, I don't want to be I don't want to be someone's YouTube clip, someone's Twitter clip, you know what I'm saying? But it just seems like this guy is special. He finds these openings. I, 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 he's baiting as he's walking forward. You know, the feints that he's throwing were was baiting Agbako into moving into and falling into these traps. And so that stoppage was nasty because it was just like completely clinical. David fainted twice. Drew the drew the movement that he wanted. Threw the punch, hurts him. Lets Agbeko stagger before he starts to throw the punches again. I mean, it was just precision at its finest from David Morrell. It, it is really hard to not see this guy as an absolute threat to be one of the pound for pound guys in the coming years. I
1: mean, like. Morell is what twenty five or something like that, twenty four.
0: Yeah, he's very young.
1: He's young, like he's giving the fans what they want out of a fighter that uh, that age. You know, like Shakur had a tough fight against De Los Santos and got made fun of for not being able to like capitalize and just crush his opponent. You know, we Keyshawn gets made fun of for the same thing. Morell is the same age as those two guys, and he no one has been he's he's never failed to impress so you know like i'm not sure what his roof is you know like maybe it's pound for pound maybe it's just championship belt but not pound for pound maybe he fights david benavidez and loses but he's doing everything that you could ask for for someone of his status in the sport and of his age and uh, i look forward to seeing how he develops i mean i was talking to a friend earlier today about how he'll fare at 75 you know it's like premature because like neither David nor, well, both Davids aren't at 75 yet, but like 75 is traditionally such like a, like a no man's land division. And like, I think both guys will eventually go there and it'll be interesting to see if like PVC are, they're able to drum up interest at 75. Cause right now 75
0: sucks. It's been a while since we've had like an athletic freak type at 175. We've seen guys that are good, like make no mistake, you know, I, I've always loved Dimitri Bibble. You know, you can go back to the very first episodes where we talked about him. Always thought Bibble was very good, but he's not an athletic freak. He's just a guy that does a lot of things right um, and and probably doesn't need to be an athletic freak for what it is that he does. Better be a, a, a strong puncher. You can't take that away from him, and he is skilled at what he does, but also better be at... Nearly 40 years old at this point. Hard to really see him that way. You could say maybe Adonis Stevenson was was that type of athletic freak. Um, but big problems, I think, he had with his defense. And, uh, I mean, speed and power, obviously. That dude was 99 in those categories. But, you know, defensively, there was something lacking. David Morrell looks like he's got it all. And so at 175, it would be really interesting to see how it looks to have a guy like David morell there. But I mean, just for given he's 25 years old, I don't think there's any rush for him to go to 175. Um, I think the hardest part, and and Bam just fought, and and I I like that they, these two fought at the same weekend because I feel like they're they're in such different positions as young fighters. morell is a guy who I think is coming up at possibly the worst possible time because there are fighters that I, I think can avoid him and they have every right to, well, I don't know if they have every right, but they have every incentive to avoid him. And they're g- going to also be around for a while longer. And so maybe the public demands it to a point where they do have to fight him, but I can see morell being kept in the cold for a while, similar to the way boots is. Whereas Bam came at the perfect time where you have all these guys at the end of the road. They don't really have any other options. I mean, it's basically retire or you fight Bam. And Bam is cleaned up beautifully against these dudes. Not County Sonny Edwards, but I mean, that's a whole other thing that we'll get to. But for Morrell, I think he could not have timed this out worse. I think. Especially because like if you're Canelo, if you're David Benavides, you look at Morrell, like would you guys rather fight each other for what would arguably be the biggest fight in boxing since Ryan versus tank? Or do you guys go fight morell Who's the higher, probably the higher risk of the two fights with lower, like there's a lower reward to fight David Morel than there is for either of them to rematch Caleb plant. And that's a problem at this point for morell until he does something to cross over. Yeah, I mean, I think uh,
1: the, the, the good thing about being within PBC, and I wanted to mention this during our previous conversation, is like, although guys may not want to fight you, like, the powers that be will do their best to get you in position for the big fight. Like, like, if we look at Wilder versus Ortiz, for example, you know, like, That's a fight that Wilder didn't necessarily have to take. But for Ortiz to be with PBC, it made it more realistic. Because Wilder could have just kept doing lesser guys, if need be. Another fight maybe that's similar would be like J-Rock versus Jason Rosario. You know, Rosario, big, dangerous, punching guy. J-Rock, who people said was chinny. At the time, you know J Rock didn't have to take that fight. He just beat her and he could have just took taken Cody Crowley or someone like that. Not Cody Crowley. Uh, what's my guy's name? That's at one hundred and fifty. Cornflake Lamanna. He could have fought Cornflake Lamanna in Philly. It just been like a showcase fight. He took a dangerous fight, and it backfired. And so, you know, I think with More- I think Morell is in the right place to get the big fight. How long he'll have to wait to get it? We'll see, but if David gets through Canelo, maybe they rematch, maybe they don't. I think that fight would be like one or two fights after Canelo personally.
0: Yeah. I, I just hope that we can see morell in those fights sooner than later, but I mean, he's a guy where I don't think I'm going to get my hopes up too much because I just, I think that there's a very big risk in what this dude is bringing to the table. Um,
1: I would just say the tough thing for him is like he's obviously not fighting like anyone big next, right? So like, what what's realistic for him next? You know, is it is it uh, Shishkin? Is it Uzcadegi? Who's one thing that's interesting about Uzi and why I wouldn't mind seeing that fight is he's never been stopped before. I don't think. I I think he would get stopped against Morel, but it could be one of those things where it's like who's going to be like the first guy to stop Uzi, right? Um, does someone new? join the 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 mix at pbc 168 you know there's like carlos gangora there's uh the african kid that fights on in canada i don't even remember his name i mean there's guys out there at 168 that could like join pbc and make things a bit more interesting i kind of wish that would happen because you know when there's a star in a division at, at, at anywhere whether it be top ranked pbc the zone i like for that division to be like you know for it to be packed with fighters so we could continue to see consistent uh, narrative or storyline for this whoever this star is and if there isn't a abundance of fighters at that division things can get kind of stagnant and i don't want pbc's 160 pounds stable to get stagnant when they had it at 47 it was lit at 54 it was lit uh and i want them to have the same motion at uh 68.
0: uh May I suggest one Stephen Nelson?
1: He's not taking that fight. I mean, I, Steven, I don't think so either. Stephen Nelson was on Twitter lobbying to fight Jermall Charlo and for Crawford to fight Jermell, and it could be like a a Crawf, a, a Texas versus Omaha the battle or some stupid shit like that.
0: One of those fights would have been competitive, and it wouldn't have been Stephen Nelson's fight. Let me tell you that.
1: I don't know. I'm not like... I'm not really sold on Jamal at this point
0: but yeah no he Steven Nelson come on now
1: So wait let's talk about this right cuz we we normally break things down fight by fight so on the on the topic of Morrell versus Senna I don't know if you saw this but Senna had some issues with the drug testing in the Morrell fight and he said if he could do everything all over again he would ask for more strict testing because he wasn't tested you, first of all, did you hear about this or no?
0: I did. Before I like and, recap the whole um, thing. Okay. It's interesting because he said that there was um, VADA testing. And he also said that the commission had, did not test. One of those things cancels the other out. Usually though, you want, you don't want the commission tests. The commission facilities for testing, certainly in Minnesota, are nowhere near what an actual agency even the malign Vada, you know, they're, they just don't have that capabilities. I don't know what the case is here. Um, I can tell you this much from watching, from what I watched, drug testing wasn't the problem. <laughs> that was merely a, a, a gigantic gap in skill. It is just without question uh, that he was... Senna looked like he was fighting two people in there. And not that... <laughs> Like, he, he looked like he had no clue where punches were coming from.
1: Yeah, I want to have this conversation because, like I said, a bunch of episodes ago, I want to keep it real, more real from now on. And this is a topic I'd like to address across the board, no matter who it is. And Morell does not strike me as someone that would, like, like, this This guy need to test for, or cheat for Senator Agbeko. Like, he came in to the ring. I'm sorry, and by that, I mean, like, his first professional fight, he was nasty. He's been nasty this whole time. And, uh, what's, who's his manager? It's, uh, what's the name? Senior. Uh,
0: Louis de Cuba senior.
1: Louis de Cuba senior. Before this kid even fought said he is the Cuban Lomachenko. So like his amateur status was elite. He's dealing with like legends in the game touting his ability. So I don't, like you said, I don't think this was like a drug testing thing. I just think that Morel is like the real deal. And Senna was, you know, didn't wasn't exactly prepared for what he was going to be in the ring with on Saturday. Look,
0: could it have been? Sure, I uh, you know this is boxing. You can't rule anything out. You'd be a fool to do that. But um, I don't think morell has ever looked like he doesn't give off the vibes. You know, guys have a certain look to them. Think of Conor Ben. There's no been no transformation that morale has undergone that leads you p- to believe that there's some extra help going on conor ben is actually you know the perfect example of what this looks like you've seen it in literally every facet of his of his career how quickly everything transformed and it, it it's not even changed like that's not even the right word here like he became a different person you look at the guy who I, I literally remember watching. It was a Friday afternoon. Conor Ben was fighting, I believe, in France against uh, a journeyman, and he was getting like he he was getting smoked, dropped, bullied, got a decision somehow. And within a year, Conor Ben looks like a completely different guy. Com- like body looked totally different. The clearest case uh, of PED use we've had in boxing. Since like, the fucking nineties. Okay, maybe not that. I I could I could probably go and find some a few more. <laughs> uh, maybe Pavetkin. Um, for God, Pavetkin had a fight where he came out and was like, whoa, that's not the same guy. I I don't get that vibe from from Morrell. So, I I get Senna having that concern. Um, but this is one of those things where like I don't I don't really know, but I also just. From looking at this, I don't really see it here.
1: Yeah, and I, again, I'm not, I, I'm not critic. I will never criticize someone for accusing someone of being on drugs in boxing because you, you can't it put it time. past anyone. No, I do time. it all the time because it, it, I do do it all the time, but it's boxing. This is a sport where so many people do do drugs. But to your point, there are certain things you could look for outlier performances, changes in performances weight irregularities uh conditioning irregularities or just simply things that are literally unbelievable and morale to me while absolutely disgusting is not unbelievable or any of that other stuff so
0: um yeah all right so undercard rio knocked out chris colbert in what was a knockout of the year contender i put this on twitter I feel like this tweet should have went viral, even though uh, it, it did get some traction, but not as much. That was literally the J- Draymond Jordan Poole situation. Same punch. <laughs> I did see that. That was a funny tweet. That they funny. felt like he fell the same way. Like it, that, that was basically the same thing. And uh, man, Chris Colbert did not look good from the start of this fight. Um, like I said earlier, though, in that first shot, that really hurt him a bit behind the head, threw off his equilibrium. Uh, I'm not, I'm not saying that like anything was illegal here, by the way, Chris Colbert chose to, I mean, it wasn't quite Ryan Garcia level of weird defense, but it was weird nonetheless. And then, uh, Colbert scrappy. I think we all knew that Colbert was scrappy and tried to make it a fight, but ultimately like that dude didn't have it. And, if if ever there was like a moment where a fighter's hubris like just came back to bite them in the ass, did you see the moment in the corner where like Colbert's trainer was like imploring him like, "Could you could you listen?" And Colbert was like, "Yeah yeah, I got this." And then uh, he did not have it. As we he did not have it at out. all. I <laughs> uh, I just want to say this about Ryo, because I was thinking about this earlier. I don't know that he's gotten better. Okay. He's got two losses, one of which I think we can now erase. And then the other one to Edwin De Los Santos, we could, we may be able to erase that one too with an asterisk. And the only reason for that is because like De Los Santos is on the n- let's never see him again list, right? But I don't know if he's getting better, but I will say I did see some positive signs from Ryo. And, and Sean Porter had perhaps the stupidest tweet of the year. This guy's brain, I don't know what is happening, going on with it, but the commentary is not improving his analysis. All the podcasting is not improving his analysis on boxing. Because he said that Ryo was fighting like a guy who was trying not to gas and uh, wasn't trying to finish Colbert. And like, to me, if you watched Colbert, or, or not Colbert, Ryo literally the reason why he lost the, the Colbert fight is because he hurt him early, tried to finish like an idiot. And I'm not saying he's an idiot, but he, he fought like an idiot at that point. And he tr- emptied the clip and gassed out and then let Colbert back into the fight. And any momentum he built, he could not follow up on or any inroads he could make in the fight going forward. He, um, he had nothing to like really follow up on it. And by the way, the, the actual thing that robbed him there in the Colbert fight, not robbed him on the sense of the scorecards, but he robbed himself, is him overcompensating in the De Los Santos fight and trying to like finish the job thinking that he was Deontay Wilder in that ring. And De Los Santos was like, yeah, I'll fight fire with fire. And that, you know, I hit hard too. And he got stopped. And what we saw in this fight, though, is that he actually did the right thing. When he had Colbert hurt, he did not go crazy trying to finish him. He was measured. He he let certain punches go, meaning there the opening was there but he didn't take it. He he was willing to be patient and wait for It's kind of like um what's the saying in basketball where it's like, you know, you you, you make the the second pass. Like a hockey assist? Yeah, it's kind of like you pass it to the guy that's open, but like actually the, the open shot is making that one extra pass because the defense has all moved to the guy that was open. You make that extra pass, they can't even respond. And and that's the the pass that you need to make. Ryo did a version of that in this fight, and I thought that that was a positive sign for him going forward. I don't know that this fixes some of his other issues. I mean, I think his defense is still very leaky, but I really like the fact that he's a guy who knows what he is, and he's just improving on what that is, which is like, Dude hits hard and he, he, he enjoys throwing with bad intentions. I'm fine with that. Like lightweight is better for having these types of dudes in them. And so I'm, I really want to see what they do next with him. But, uh, but yeah, I thought it was a a good little progression for this dude's career.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, like, like you said, the, the, the division is better with him in it. PBCs. You know, they have the biggest star at 135 and 140, and for PBC to continue to create interesting options for that star, it's important to have other players. And so Ryo established himself as a player at the division, rebounding from the De Los Santos fight, and uh, you know he's he's in the mix now. You know, maybe it's uh, maybe it's Tank. I don't think so, but maybe. Maybe it's De Los Santos rematch. Maybe it's uh, Frank Martin. Maybe it's Pitbull Cruz. But there are guys that, you know, we will see Rayo in the ring with and they'll make for compelling fights. Just like we had at 54 and 47 back in the day.
0: So I was talking to Deuce about this earlier. And one of the things that Deuce said is like, one of the more surprising things was that Rayo seemed to have like the biggest cheering of the night outside of David Morrell.
1: Yeah, I heard that. So first of all, I think a lot of people from boxing Twitter were at this fight. You may have mentioned that. And a a lot of my timeline was like, I didn't know this many Mexicans were in Minnesota. And not that it has to be Mexican people, but people were, were there for Ryle. I don't know if it was people saw the first fight. Ryle's family was out there, Mexican people. I don't know what it, what the deal was, but I think maybe Ryle has something, you know, like one thing that's like interesting in boxing is we don't always see who has the it, you know, like some people will predict, you may get it right. You may get it wrong, but sometimes it creeps up on you. And maybe Ryo is one of these guys who like, I know before, before the De Los Santos fight, Ryo definitely had that it, you know, he was on team Benavidez. He was on a couple of his undercards. He had a couple KOs that were like, you know, went viral or whatever, like people were rocking with him. So if he gets that momentum back, you know, maybe he's got something.
0: I was talking to Deuce about this earlier, and uh, the question is, what do you do next with him, and how far away is he from like a legitimate title uh, shot? And I, I mean, mean that he's realistically,
1: with P- he's he signed directly to Al Heyman, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, the for those who don't know, the 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 titles are spread like this. Hank has the WBA. Shakur has the WBC. I'm pretty sure Lomachenko and Combosos will be for the IBF. Mm -hmm. And the WBO is vacant right now. And I think the Baron guy and Pipple Cruz are ranked like one and two. So maybe they'll do a fight off for that belt. Um, I I think Baron or whatever his name is, is with top rank and obviously he cruises with PBC, so how far is he from a championship belt i mean if pippo cruz wins that's a hell of a fight you throw that in at the the war grounds or on the undercard of like benavides versus canelo and that's like that's fire um is he ready for a tank fight i mean i think it depends on what tank wants to do tank could take that fight and say i want to tune up and i'll do it in vegas he said he's not fighting in DC anymore. So maybe New York, maybe Chicago, maybe Atlanta. I think that's pretty good. You know, will boxing Twitter be satisfied with that? I don't think so. I think they'll complain, but it all kind of just depends on like other things that aren't Ryo, What, what, what Raya's future is, um, you know, I'm not quite sure what he does. Because it all depends on Tank, right? Like, everyone wants to see Tank and Devin. I don't think we get that next. So so then what, right? Do we get Frank Martin? Do we get the Pitbull rematch, which I think is a huge fight? I think the Pitbull rematch just 600,000 to 800,000 pay-per-view buys. Maybe some disagree. I think that's a big fight. Um, it, Tank's, Tank will be the first chip to fall at 35, moving into the new year. And after that, everything else will shake out to me.
0: I think, um, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty confident saying that Ryo will not be in that mix. Um, I think Ryo still, so here's what I think is that if you think that you can get him there, you got a little bit of work to do one knockout over Chris Colbert is not enough. You got to do a little bit more, uh, unless you're going to do like a free non-pay-per-view fight. F- okay, fine. People will probably be okay with that, but that's not going to happen. I don't think, um, so I think you got to build this guy into a headliner. That should be the next step because the fact that he's already got two losses, like you got to slow it down a little bit. You got to come back to reality. There's a little bit of rebuilding that needs to be done. And so how do you get this guy to be able to headline his own card? I don't think he's at that point yet. And so I asked Deuces and he, he had a good answer, which is like, just go look at Ryan and Isaac Cruz. Look at the last four guys that they fought. Grab a few guys from there. That's who we should be fighting. And it's an age-old trick in so boxing: you... fight the guys that people have, like you can make comparisons that people have know a little bit, and and that's that's the guy. So we're looking at Oscar Duarte, who in the Ryan fight I, I, th- I thought it was all right. I wouldn't mind seeing that guy again. Javier Fortuna, I think, might be retired at this point, but uh, if not, he probably should consider it. Emmanuel to go, eh? I. Give or, I'm I'm not really sold on to go. Giovanni Cabrera, who I thought fought a great fight against Isaac Cruz, I thought um, I don't know that I felt he should have won, but he he gave a really good account of himself, even if it wasn't the most entertaining. Eduardo Ramirez, that's a dude that should not fight at lightweight, so let's take him off the list. And Yuri Orcas Gamboa, who is probably in prison. <laughs> Now, for, th- for those one. of you, I'm not making a joke. I'm, like, literally being serious here. Uh, he got into a car accident. I think it was in Cuba, it, which resulted in someone dying. And so uh, we haven't heard from Gamboa in a while. So I'm just saying uh, maybe he's uh, currently incapacitated. So you'd look at Duarte, maybe to go, Giovanni Cabrera. I think that's a, those are three... Pretty solid opponents for Ryo. I think maybe you only do two, and try to get somebody with a bit more of a name. But those are those are fair opponents for him. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not mad at any of those names. I mean, if you want to go that route and just like line up guys to just get smoked by Ryo, like like you said, it's an age old <laughs> matchmaking style in boxing. So you know, set it up. I would. I... <laughs> I wish you know every. I mean, maybe that's like my theme for this podcast is like depth, right? Like, if there was like, if if one thirty five wasn't as split up as it was, it would be nice because it would be good to get like Ryo versus if like Combosos with Pete was with PBC it, theoretically, I wouldn't be mad at that fight. I think that'd be a hell of a fight.
0: oh yeah it'd it's be not. a great fight. I just think it'd be probably. I think it's a little early for even that type of fight. I think um, I think we need to see Ryo against somebody who's a natural lightweight. Because as great as a Vinaka a Binaka that was, Colbert's not a natural lightweight. Um, wasn't even a natural 130 pound fi- fighter. Although, but I don't I don't rate
1: Combosos very high. By the way, I, know, I think he's like I think he's... that's a I said Comboso specifically because I think it's a good matchup. I think it's a fight that would be like fifty fifty and. It would be a good it's clash of styles and an outcome that I wouldn't really be able to predict because I don't think Combosos is very good, personally. So many people may disagree, but
0: well, I what I can what I do think is that fight would be a very short one. Somebody probably get knocked out in that fight pretty quickly, but um, I I think you gotta take it slow with Ryo if he's building up right now, even with his two losses, it seems to be getting a reaction from the crowd. I think you got to see what you can do to get this guy into a main event. Um, all right. And then the opener was Guerrero and Berto, which wait, no, no,
1: no, no words for
0: Chris Colbert. He's got to get his life together.
1: (laughs) I feel bad for Colbert, man. I was like the, the conductor of the hype train and, and that train crashed extremely quickly. Um I, I like when you saw that, when you when you saw that knockout like I was so confused like I couldn't believe he was like was he, I still don't know if he was actually knocked out like he he just he got melted like he was was he really out or was he taking a rest was he out I'm I'm being dead serious
0: when the fuck does somebody take a rest in the middle of a of a fight <laughs> <laughs> yo
1: he got yo he got starched melted put Mm -hmm. to sleep and like the Mm -hmm. way he like fell in like slow motion like a lot of times when people get like knocked unconscious like that there's like a thud and like a bounce it was weird how he fell like slowly across the ropes and just stood there and like he was draped across the bottom rope I i was like yo he's really out like i couldn't believe it i don't know if like i don't know maybe i'm bugging or what but
0: i didn't see it in real time literally like three seconds probably before that happened uh, the baby was climbing on the table. So I looked away and then the next second, when I look at the, at, uh, at the TV, he's on the floor and, and they're counting and I'm like, Whoa, man, I just missed it. What happened? And so I, I, I don't know. I, I but what I can tell you is that I do not think he was taking a nap. I don't think he was taking a rest. <laughs> wasn't taking a breather. He didn't call time. Uh, I think Ryo just called game.
1: I mean, go for Ryo. That's that's what you do in a rematch that was like controversial. I see a, a lot of people on uh on Instagram were like, it, it, Instagram is so funny. Like, just comment in general. And initially, people are like, "Oh, PVC wanted the black guy to win," as if like PBC would want Ryo to win. Ryo has fans and has a fan base. Chris Colbert is like no one likes him really. Like In New York, he doesn't have fans. They tried to throw him in Cali. It didn't work out well. People don't like Chris Colbert. And now, you read the comments on Instagram, and it's like you taught them. They tried to rob you again. PBC is out to get you, Ryo. And it's just like, dude, he signed to Al Heyman. Like, you think, like, like, what are you guys talking about? Uh, whatever. Chris Colbert needs to go to 130 or 126. He, 135 is horrible news for him.
0: Rematch Hector?
1: I wouldn't be mad at that. That would be a cool little I mean it it would be tough if Chris Colbert lost that fight but that's like a good compelling you know opening card for Amazon you know I sometime think, um, down the line
0: I think some of the problems in Colbert's career have been a little self-imposed but um some probably all the less said about Guerrero berto other than it was a pretty funny fight uh the better the right man you know, won. recap. I'm not that. No, the only
1: thing I want to say about that fight is did you see pvc's like like social media post that robert guerrero won and his kids so many wrinkles under his eyes and I thought it was one of I thought it was like a dan the boxing I'm like what? why did pvc post this he looks like 70 years old in this picture like it's ridiculous uh
0: I I didn't see oh no I did see it and uh I I laughed because it, it just like this this is comical um But I didn't really think too much of it. Uh, Okay. And then we also had unification at flyweight. Sonny Edwards uh, versus Bam Rodriguez. Bam makes Sonny quit after... um, I mean, he hit him with a hell of a a right-hand shot. And uh, Sonny was not willing to continue. Asked his corner to stop the fight. And something I just want to point out, okay... I think we've talked about this on the podcast in the past. Another British fighter with a broken orbital bone. Why does this seem to plague our brothers across the pond so frequently? Have you noticed this?
1: I have. I've mentioned this to you before. (laughs) There is a theory. My theory, by the way. My theory.
0: No, this is not your theory. But um, there is a theory that I read online that there is a type of steroid that when taken weakens your bones. I don't remember what it's called. Um I can't remember what it's called. But the th- the theory is that th- that is why we s- we see these British fighters and I think there was a few or a couple from the same gym that had suffered the fate of the broken orbital bone. Um that uh you know I don't know. It is it, it there may be nothing there. It could just be weird theory. I don't know. But I just find it so strange that so many British fighters keep wind up getting their faces broken. Don't doesn't make no sense to me. But um makes
1: makes perfect sense to me. I I talked about drug testing earlier, just saying.
0: Uh the one thing that, you know, I don't know if you've seen Sonny Edwards fight before, but um not a lot of indication that he was uh Partaking in the illegal substances. I'm just saying. Because, yeah, he he don't really punch very hard. But I I will also say this. um, For those of you bringing up Bam versus Inouye, I don't know what's wrong with you people. Can you let Bam live? Okay? Let him enjoy his time at 115. Inouye's at 122 off to bigger and better things. That fight does not need to happen. Until Bam shows himself to, you know, be good at a division that Inouye also happens to currently be in. And um, also, when Inouye got his orbital bone broken, he went on to win the fight. Just saying. That, that did not happen here. Speaks to the the caliber of fighter that Inouye is. And obviously, we know he's a special talent. Um, But yeah. Let's see. Let's let's talk. The last thing we're going to talk about here is um, well, there's two more things we got to talk about, but uh, this whole tank and Devin anything. Let me put this to bed right now. No offer, no twenty million dollars got sent. Okay, I want to tell you guys my read on this. Okay, this is a whole bunch of like nonsense. It's not even worth your time to really pay attention to this. Because if you learn anything, you know that tank fights happen in silence. They just get announced. Okay, the public negotiation shit does not really work that well. Tank is also by far and away the A side to every fighter in his division. So unless his team is is the one putting the terms out there, that shit none, none of that shit is happening. Okay, you're, you're not. Tank is the A
1: side to everyone other than Canelo in boxing.
0: Yes, because that fight is obviously going to happen at some point. Now, come on, guys. Uh, anyway, so here <laughs> we go. So look, I, credit where credit's due. Haney's team done a very good job. Okay, they right after the fight with ProGray, even before it, leading up to it, done a really good job with his PR. They've they successfully, and and I I want to say, they successfully managed to turn his fans. And I, and I, because I assume that there were fans of, of, there were people who were fans of both. And they successfully were able to paint Tank into like being ducking a fight or not being interested or whatever, even though Tank basically made no comments whatsoever. So it's good PR stuff. A little nice little campaign there. A little smear operation that they had done. I don't like how they went about it. In my opinion, I think that they were playing up on a lot of the grievances that some of these racist boxing writers had raised in the past. And so you're basically shaking hands with the enemy just because it furthered your point when really they'll turn on you just as quickly as they'll shit on a guy like Tank or something like that. So like Haney's team playing with fire there. I'm sure it will backfire at some point. But that's that's the game that they played. Fair. But then something happened that accelerated everything and caused Devin and his team to completely panic, went into emergency mode, and wound up playing themselves. So first, Tank tweets out that basically he tried to call Al. Al didn't answer the call. He's probably talking with Steven about, Steven about some deal that Tank doesn't know about. Now, there were a lot of ways to read that tweet. And I think the, the right way was that it was a very benign tweet like just kind of like a nothing tweet. Like there was nothing to read into it. Tank, there there was, well, I I just think that tank was just tweeting some shit that like, if you actually just like took your heart out of it for a second, you would realize that tank is just tweeting some, some bullshit. Ignore it. But because people hear what they want to hear, specifically guys like Eddie Hearn, it wound up being perfect bait. Now, I don't know if it was intentional or not because Eddie Hearn can't help himself. He's a clout-chasing demon who wants to be in everyone's fucking DMs and, you know, ride the coattails of whoever he can. So then he reached out to Tank, and Tank publicly tells him to fuck off. So now, very, you know, I don't know if it was the next day or, or later on in that day, the pay-per-view numbers become public. There were whispers bu- days before, but then they were, they were like, confirmed that the numbers were less than 50,000 buys for Haney Progray. Now, those are dog shit numbers, okay? Those are horrible. You got to be actively trying to sabotage. Like, Terrence Crawford versus Victor Poulsel did those types of numbers. And HBO and everyone involved wanted that, that event to fail. And so, now people on like started saying, like, hey, with these pay-per-view numbers, you know, Kevin Haney can't be dictating no terms. He is not... Like, people were clowning Devin Haney for the poor numbers. And and granted, well-deserved, you did a bad event, it happens. Your first one, actually your second one, but uh, first one was his own. Okay, whatever. So now Haney's team, they go on full panic mode. So Bill Haney comes out and does this, like, super cringe video accusing Tank of turning down $20 million. Now, the funny thing is that sometimes you just got to listen to, like the details here, he doesn't refute the numbers. I would think that maybe it's more important to refute that you just did a horrible pay-per-view number. He doesn't refute the numbers and makes this excuse that it takes two to tango and Regis great brought nothing to the table and then keeps repeating tank turned down $20 million. Now none of that matters because no offer was ever made. Let's be real here. Offers don't happen in the span of hours. That's not how it happens. I think what happened was they realized they had no they would have no leverage with the actual pay-per-view numbers being public information. And so the next point is throw out a big number, make it look like he's ducking because you have given you basically have no leverage if any real negotiations re- negotiations are going to happen, which is exactly what this is basically almost to a T what happened with Wilder and Joshua and why that fight never happened. Well, I mean, supposedly it will happen, but it didn't happen at the time. It's it's basically all a PR game. And it, what's funny about it is like Tank does not do PR. He just tweets shit and deletes it. And so he's like the perfect guy for you to try to go after, but not because he also has all the numbers to back up his statement. So no matter how much... You try to get people on Twitter to tweet bad shit. The numbers speak for themselves. And the dollars um, are all in tank's favor at this point. So I say all that to say, this is a complete non-story. You should go and ignore it until you get real reporting about stuff happening here. And I don't think we will ever get that but until Tank is the one that starts to like give indications that this is possible, you probably just ignore this whole situation because they're all playing fucking games in the public to get themselves over and to make themselves so I, not look like... To make themselves not look like they're not doing what they are actually not doing.
1: So I'd like to explain one thing and I'd like for you to explain one thing. I want to explain how Devin Haney has manipulated boxing fans and I would like for you to explain how fights happen because I think people who are confused by this don't get that part is that okay
0: we'll see if you get uh the devin haney part right cuz i got a theory I, on how this I, worked I, out i, I am going to get the
1: devin haney part right cuz i i dwell in an area that you don't and that's the youtube boxing community i don't think that's an area that y- you or many people understand so well and that's a place that like I've been on boxing the internet for a very long time message boards, Facebook groups, text groups, Facebook chats uh and the the when things really blew out was the the YouTube community like Floyd really made that become a thing. And so you had a lot of uh personalities. I'd say vlog vlogger style personalities pop up and I'll, I'll name some so people understand who I'm talking about. Mostly, it's people who are in the LDBC that are spearheading this Devin Haney thing. So LDBC,
0: like. We're gonna fight.
1: So LDBC people that are are involved with this Devin Haney
0: thing. Also, be careful here a, because that is that. You know, you know, people people just take a racial yeah, connotation about
1: LDBC. It's like it has become like a dog whistle for racism, and it it shouldn't be LDBC. It's it's like the Something dog boxing community. I forget if it's like lions long and low dog or oh yeah, is it lions den? Okay, so whatever. Low
0: dog sounds cool too.
1: Whatever. And th- these are like the the LDBC popped up because before boxing YouTube was a big thing. A lot of the writers in the sport ignored or didn't give proper credit to black fighters. So your Lance you your Chris Mannix, these kinds of people—they tried to belittle the black fighters. So the fans took it upon themselves to like try to treat the black fighters that they like with respect. And so um the people who are involved with this Devin Haney thing is like uh, there's a YouTuber called 78 Sports TV uh a YouTuber I think Black Fight Fan who's from Texas I'm pretty sure. Um what's my other guy's name? Drew Titan is a, is a big one and there's another guy I'm forgetting. This is like four of like the key channels and there's other ones too and what bill has done a great job of is getting like like i don't know i forget the term but he's getting support like organic support from these channels because he would he would invite these channels to the events. sometimes they'd make it out sometimes they wouldn't he'd give these channels oh and, and the, the boxing voice but the boxing voice isn't ldbc they're their own entity they're like a, a show if you don't watch and so he'd invite these guys to fights he'd give these guys exclusive interviews and the thing is, in boxing, like if you're a YouTuber, your bread and butter are these interviews. You get money. Oh, and and what's my guy? And Blue Blood Boxing, but Blue Blood is not ldbc either. Anyway, you get money from these interviews. So I'm not sure if Bill is paying these guys directly, but he's making it possible for them to get more super chats and more ad revenue. And when tank started to take off. Bill and Devin needed something to help them stay in the mix. Because if you if they didn't, Tank would have run more laps around them, even though he has lapped them several times. And so because he had a great relationship with these people, these people are using their platforms to kind of turn boxing fans against Tank. And so you have a lot of confusion amongst Black fight fans, which typically there isn't. The first time we've seen it was with Errol and Bud and now we're seeing it with Shakur Devin and Tank and so a lot of the people who follow the guys I just mentioned who like the guys I just mentioned they're looking at Tank as the enemy because Tank and Tank's team they don't really give a lot of these YouTubers exclusives the only guy that may get an exclusive is like Ellie because Ellie's actually outside Ellie is going to gyms going to hotel rooms with you know before a fight or after a fight and he's really on the ground putting in work bill did the opposite he put the work in to to have the relationship so now these guys are really rooting for tank it's spreading bill's narrative and tank it tank doesn't do that shit. like you said tank is just make the fight i knock the dude out i collect the check back to business and so that's why we're at where we're at bill can lie he has a bunch of fans that will repeat the lies youtube channels with you know, some of these channels are pretty big. They have I don't think any of them are over 100,000 followers. Maybe The Boxing Voice, maybe Blue Blood, but the rest are in the tens of thousands, which is still great. And so you have a lot of fans that are being misled by channels that are lying. So that's uh, why we're at where we're at with all this, you know.
0: Yeah, so I mean, basically it's like they are seen as easy ways to control the narrative that's out there. And so it makes sense that Bill Haney, a guy who's trying to control all of these situations, would go to these uh, these YouTubers to try to influence uh, basically the most amount of people uh, as possible. Unfortunately, again, social media, not always real life. And what, what that means is like, I mean, look at the gate receipts. You know for all these fighters and uh what you see is that it's nice to control the narrative but sometimes you don't really need to
1: now wait now here's where it gets tricky because i what i totally agree with what you just said but the problem that i foresee tank dealing with and it's it's the same problem arrow dealt with and i think pbc fighters need to like do something to like the more in control of what I'm about to say is Bill is using the same type of tactics that racists will use against him in the future. And you just said, you just said
0: that you just,
1: you just said that and you, you, you stated it perfectly. And it's so true. And it, it, it works in a very selfish and disingenuous way for Bill and Devin, because the writers who are important in boxing, not that any of them are any good for the most part will already be going against tank anyways so when you when you have the mainstream boxing writers and a percentage of boxing fans mostly black boxing fans also parroting their points it's like okay like you're you're creating a narrative and in boxing like the narratives don't always have to be true we had people for years saying Wilder there was a ducker with chicken legs that couldn't box but while there all of that was was nonsense you know while there's a great boxer he's a unique style and tank is going to have to be careful that he doesn't find himself in a position that Errol spence found himself in where he's doing things that he shouldn't have to as the a side to get this fight done uh i think it's good that he has leonard ellerby in his corner because ellerby has been in the game you know since the 2000s Working with Floyd, not as like a friend, but as a as someone who is paid to understand what's going on in the industry, and I don't think he'll let Tank make the same kind of mistakes Errol did. But I do see a, a swell growing for this like Devin H- like Tank has to make the Devin Haney fight. It's not the other way around, and I think it's silly. I tweeted, I'm like, this is Devin Haney's fight to make. If he really wants to fight, th- it's very easy to make the fight. You go to PBC you do whatever tank says and the fight happens they don't want to make the fight because they're in control of their future at the zone they're getting overpaid at the zone and no disrespect because you you, like who's to say you're overpaid but like between the gate and the paper money (laughs) yeah yeah, correct and also like the fights that they're probably going to take on the zone are aren't going to be dangerous fights even this regis fight you know like I don't want to take away credit because Devin beat him and and like maybe Regis could have came out and knocked him out, but he looked like shit. And I think this was a smart I mean, play on the handies.
0: That wasn't gonna happen.
1: But. Yeah, I mean I, I picked Devin just because I think Regis is a huge idiot. And I still think he's a huge idiot because if you were if if like I don't know. I if I'm Regis and I know that I'm in the status that he's in, I would rather take the tank fight. Because if you're gonna get cashed out. Wouldn't you want to get cashed out versus Tank over Devin? But that's just me. But I, anyway.
0: I would have been advocating to fight Ryan. I mean, but that, Ryan, I don't think go, we're Roy not gonna, gonna do that. Well, let's, I would, not re-litigate, I would do, let's not relitigate what Reeves probably does because that's be here all That's day. not
1: the that's not the point. The point, the point is the Haney's really enjoy being able to control their career. And they also like their father-son relationship, which I'm 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 supportive of if they go to pbc bill is no longer in the picture and Devin is being dictated to and i don't think they want either of those two things so they're going to continue to clout chase tank's name put out fake narratives through all these youtube channels uh through the boxing voice and we're gonna have we're gonna see which way this narrative goes and i know how it works with pbc fighters because they're lucky that they're the w- they're the lit ones they don't have to do this bullshit narrative work because the real stuff that matters the stuff that you said the gates the ticket sales the site fees and stuff like that works in their favor and this is it's tough you gotta make the right decision
0: i want to point something out uh because you brought up like the the whole racist element of this i want to make it clear i am not accusing anybody uh, well i'm not accusing any of the youtubers of being racist what i'm saying is that the the Things that they that they say and do, um, are are things that have already been done. They're easy tropes that are being played on, that are widely used by the you know these writers that have been around. You know these crusty ass writers that have been around for a long time, and they don't like certain things in boxing and have made it known. And so the the path was open is open for you to always play that card and and I think that they are doing that and it's a folly here because I mean, they're going to use it on Devin too. They have used it on Devin. Yeah. They will and do and just to be clear,
1: Just to be clear, you're not talking about the LDBC people being racist. You're talking about the writers being racist and they no, will because- no,
0: I'm saying that yes, the writers are racist. Absolutely not all yes, of them, yes. but, but I'm saying that the, 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 the methods in which that they're using are borrowed from these guys and i don't think that i think that a lot of them are probably not doing it on purpose but they well they're doing it on purpose but they i don't think they're intentionally they're they're they're
1: unintention they're unintentionally doing it is the the way you want to say it they're unintentionally doing it because the things that they're doing and it's funny because the ldbc popped up and i've talked about this with a very prominent youtuber in the boxing community the ldbc popped up because they were against that type of news coverage and it's ironic because they hated those guys when it was floyd and when it was wilder and when it was errol and now they're becoming the thing that they hated the most which was quote unquote old media and it's the same things. the only difference is they're applying those tactics to a It's it's for a black person instead of what we traditionally see is it's for Triple G against a non-white person or, or for Lomachenko against Tank or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the real root here is when you start being dictated to by those who stand to gain from your positive coverage. That's when you allow that evil to get in there and spread. And I think that's largely what's happening right now. Anyway, you, you wanted to explain how fights get made. It's really simple. Uh...
1: Now, real quick, real quick, I just want to say, I'm asking you to explain this because you're have, you're seeing a lot of people out there on Twitter, on YouTube that are like, well, why hasn't Tank sent the, the contract yet? Or why doesn't Tank take the 20 million? Or if Tank is the A side, he should be the one to initiate the fight. What's going on? And so I think you'll be able to give some the people, the listeners a good idea of how this works.
0: So there are hundreds, uh, maybe not hundreds, but a lot of things that comprise a legitimate bout agreement. So when you talk about uh, there's term sheets, there's bout agreements, there's the actual contract of the fight. These are all different things. And um, those things are not drafted up like easily. You know, there's lots of back and forth. I don't know if anybody's ever negotiated for like a salary or negotiated like terms of a deal, but usually there's a lot of going back and forth. You have to get lawyers involved. Um, You want a lawyer to look over all these details, everything, especially when you have fighters that are also operating as co-promoters. There are lots of things that are involved in the negotiation of of a fight that aren't as simple as like, I fight, you fight. How much? And that's it you got to figure out. So date, what you're saying your real quick, which,
1: right. And what you're saying is like, there's just not like a, uh, like, a, a what do you call it? Just like a, 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 a generic, like, okay, here's the generic term sheet. like, it doesn't work like that. Right.
0: I think that some of the terms of, uh, of, of what you were talking about could be like, you know, the standard, we're going to fight in a boxing ring with four sides and ropes. Like, <laughs> I I mean, I'm not, like, I would, I'm pretty sure that, like, you think that granular level stuff like that is probably, like, that, like, it's got to all be laid out. Like, if you've ever read a a contract, like, shit, legal language is made very simple. So, like, this is obviously not the, the sexiest thing to talk about, but, like, these fights, especially big fights, you know, you're talking Spence and Crawford. Look how long that took to get made. And, like, I think... One of the things that happened during the whole time, you know with with the BLK prime stuff, actually, Errol put a bunch of game on Twitter that I don't know if people picked up on, but he started posting bits of the contract so that you could see, so that you know, if you remember that you see there are a lot of little parts of the contract that you, we don't really talk about when we talk about fights getting made because obviously they're granular things that we don't really want to be spending a lot of time talking about it's like when you're talking about a fight with millions and millions of dollars at stake with a a tank and handy fight everything's got to be resolved all that stuff's got to be resolved no one wants to be held liable no one wants to get held up in court in both sides you don't want your money from the fight to be held up in court because you didn't or you have some disagreement over how things were going to be split you know like who was gonna pay for the cost of whatever so Fights don't get negotiated that fast unless there's like some sort of precedent. So yeah, I, that's why I'm like, oh, you sent an offer for 20 million. Like, no, you didn't. Okay. You did not Like, just I, I would like say, to
1: address that. My bad.
0: Well, <laughs> oh, go on. No,
1: I was going to say, I would like to address that. Cause I, I'm not sure. Like when I saw that, I was like, are people even thinking about this? Like it, it was such a weird number, like 20 million. Ryan and for for people who didn't think about it, Ryan and Tank did 1.2 million pay per view buys, I think. 1.2, right? Is that number that was put out? Yeah. Okay, so 1.2 million buys, and the gate was like 21 or 22 million dollars. Okay, Tank made way more than 20 million dollars for the Tank fight. He may have made two or
0: three times more more than 20 million for that fight.
1: Right. So, so, so I'm seeing this offer and I'm like, okay, clearly people aren't using their brains at all because I personally believe if tank and Ryan uh, tank and Devin fight on pay-per-view on PBC on Amazon, the fight is doing close to a million buys, give or take. So that 20 million, first of all, even if there was a real 20 million tank is the one who is going to get the offer and then he's going to dictate to devin what he's getting what devin's getting first of all second of all whatever devin and tank would make on pbc would be way bigger than this so-called 20 million so why is why are people even talking about this 20 million tank Tank'll I pitbull Cruz, and then he's going to make way more than 20 million so i don't know why people are even talking about this 20 million the 20 it's such a dumb number like I, if, if bill said 60 million I would have been more respectful towards the people who are like, yo, Tank turned down 60 million. That's a lot. 20 million for Tank is nothing at this point of his career. It's nothing. He's way past that. It's such a dumb number. I was like, so I was was really confounded that people were really like, Tank turned down 20 million. He's ducking. Like, he's already made that. He may have made that twice.
0: Why are y'all talking
1: about 20 million?
0: That was the point of the offer though, because 20 million for a lot of people seems like an, a lot of money because that, I mean, that's just all it was, was, was to get people's attention. It was for such a poor number.
1: No, 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 no. I'm, I'm even asking like bill. I thought I've given res, re- respect to bill for his moves up to this point. Because when he said 20 million, game. I was tweeting people. I was texting people directly private conversations, like, okay, this is the first time why I think Bill has done something so stupid. 20 million? But people are dumber than I thought. They're listening to this 20 million number. which just crazy to
0: me. Yeah, so, all right. Um, we got a couple of cards coming up this weekend. Uh, we have the return of one Deontay Wilder. He, we got the return of Anthony Joshua. Uh, they'll be fighting on the same card in Saudi Arabia at, like, 8 a.m. my time. Not ideal, I would say. Uh, so, you got Joshua fighting Otto Voline, Wilder fighting Joseph Parker. Uh, do you think either either of these guys are in danger of losing?
1: I think both could lose, to be honest.
0: Why do you think Deontay could lose? I mean, Joseph Parker, I don't think, has really shown much over the last, like, five years or so. To uh, just because his head... That- I, I, first of all, I
1: don't like that they they are talking about Joshua versus Wilder now. Like, both guys, are, first of all, it's heavyweights. Like, we've seen crazy shit historically in the heavyweight division. So, to be promoting a fight that's not, like, like both, there are four fighters, two fights that these guys need to, like, complete to even discuss this other thing. And that makes me nervous. That's always b- a bad news. So I think both could lose. I I mean I, I'm picking Wilder, but it's a heavyweight division. Things happen. Upsets happen. They're a big guy. They're all six foot four, six foot five, six foot six. Doesn't take much to knock someone out. So I think both could lose. I'm picking Wilder more comfortably because I I don't rate jo- Joseph Parker. Joshua and Wallen is more interesting from like a matchup perspective. If I were to pick who was more likely to get upset, I would pick
0: AJ. I think Deontay's is going to knock Parker out in the first round.
1: <laughs> that would be crazy.
0: I mean, I'm not. I'm not even joking here, guys. I'm. That is my official pick. Deontay Wilder will knock out Joseph Parker in the first round. I don't make official picks that often. The only way this fight does go longer was two reasons. Uh, one, nothing happens in the first round, which. Let's be real here. There's been many rounds in the career of Deontay Wilder where nothing happened. And then, uh, for, you know, rightly so, Deontay tends to make guys not throw their hands as much. And then, or two, it's a shithouse fight. And I don't imagine Parker's going to be very good at that. But what I mean by that is like just a lot of clinching and, and holding and all that stuff. I, I feel like we haven't really seen Deontay in one of those type of like horrible, like, clinch fest fights which tend to happen at heavyweight but yeah other than that I, I I don't think I think Parker is going to be a little gun shy and Deontay just going to helenius him I think I'm going to pick Joshua to win by stoppage but I think it's a late stoppage and Wallen is going to be very dangerous in this fight I don't really have a ton of um, reason for thinking that other than the fact that i've seen wallen look pretty comp, uh, competent next to tyson fury um, i think wallen has shown he's got a pretty good chin he's not the biggest puncher but again a 6 foot 5 guy throwing throwing you know power shots at you at 230 240 that that still means something And I think we saw Joshua give up a lot of rounds. Not that he was losing them to Helenius, but he was giving up a lot of, you know, rounds. It could be a fight where Joshua finds himself down after seven rounds, and then he's got to make something happen because he was a little too patient trying to have things be a little too perfect. And I think that's really the risk that Joshua has run recently is that just feel like he he doesn't want to let his hands go unless he feels safe. So... Yeah, I think Joshua more so on Upset Alert than Deontay. Um, let's see. Nothing else really interesting on the undercard. I mean, Jarrell Miller and Daniel Dubois is kind of like, it's pretty interesting, but like at this point, both dudes are like completely washed out of the, the title picture. I actually know. If Dubois wins, I, I guess he did low blow his way into technically getting a moral victory over <laughs> Usyk, So forgot about that one. And then uh, Bivol's on the undercard against Lyndon Arthur, who I expect Bivol to win handsomely, comfortably here. But yeah, that's the card. Uh, We should do one more episode. You know, we probably are going to have to record the same day of the show because Sunday's Christmas Eve, Monday's Christmas. So we'll probably record right after the card or that night at least uh, to do a little recap. But yeah, those are the fights this weekend. Hope you guys... Um. have a good Christmas you enjoy it although we will talk to you before then if you're on the Patreon we got the year end stuff coming very soon so if you're not on the Patreon you should probably get on over there please Uh, I mean just do one good deed for us just get on over there join the community you get access to the chat you get more podcasts obviously which would be good and uh, yeah any final words for you? Don't believe the
1: hype You know, listen to us. We're not going to guide you incorrectly. Um, You know, until next time, be safe out there.
0: (laughs) All right. Thank you guys for listening. We will be back next week.